broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hello and welcome. We are back for another exciting and informative edition of Chattanooga Business Radio. I'm your host today, Ryan Redhawk McPherson, and I'm very happy to be broadcasting from the beautiful Hamilton County Business Development Center here on the North Shore of downtown Chattanooga. And also very thankful for the interesting and thought-provoking guests we have here in studio for uh, Chattanooga Business Radio. Before we get to our guests, we want to remind our listeners to follow us on Twitter, at Business Radio X. Today we're using the hashtag Chattanooga Business Radio. I know it's a mouthful, but if you just plug it in once, your phone should remember it if it's like mine. So remember, hashtag Chattanooga Business Radio. All right, let's say hello to our guest in studio. First, let's say hello to Lee Walker. He is with Code Journeyman. How are you doing, Lee? Doing very well today. How are you doing? Good. If you could just briefly describe for our listeners what Code Journeyman is. We're a digital web development agency. We do uh, web development tools and mobile apps. we have a lot of big clients. We do a lot of work for Oak Ridge National Labs. Um, we try to specialize in heavy-duty back-end moving pieces. Okay. So, Well, that's going to be heavy-duty for our listeners here in just a moment, so please stay seated and stick with us as we also introduce Jason Provancha. How are you doing, Jason? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. And uh, you're representing uh, LPG Labs and Warble. Is that right? That's correct, yes. So uh, Warble, LPG Labs, kind of in the same space over there, I, see, I guess, at, with the lamppost group. Yeah, so LPG Labs is a tech studio inside of the Lamp Post Group. Uh, our model is to build technology-based products and then graduate them from our lab, so to speak, and then set them up as independent businesses. Okay. So Warble is a uh, mobile app that is one of those businesses that uh, we've launched here in Chattanooga and uh, have had a really good uh, initial um, uh, launch here locally. Excellent. So I look forward to hearing more about that in great detail. So please stick with us as we now turn our attention to our leadoff interview. Her name is Anjali Underwood, and she is designer with Temperate Clothing. How are you doing, Anjali? Good. How are you? Excellent. So thank you so much for taking the time out to join us here today. Let's talk about your business, uh, Temperate Clothing. Uh, when did this come to be? Uh, April 2014, um, I launched the clothing line. Okay. Uh, we're an independent, uh, sustainably sourced women's wear line. Um, and, uh, well, we're based here in Chattanooga. Launched again, like I said, about a year and a half ago, uh, coming up on two years. Okay. And what was the impetus behind all this? Was this uh, your idea or something you've always dreamed of? How did it come to be? Well, there's a, a huge revolution in the fashion industry right now um, and it, towards sustainable clothing. The fashion industry is, is second to the oil industry in the most uh, environmentally detrimental industry in the world. Um, and, and there's a lot of people out there doing things to fix it. But even as little as two years ago, three years ago, there was not there was not a lot of independent lines that were sourcing in a, in a way that I felt comfortable with. So I wanted to I wanted to build something that I saw a gap in the market for. Um, my background is in sustainability, environmental science, um, and I've always sewn my entire life, and I've se- always made myself my own clothing. And um, so I decided it was time uh, on the eve of my thirtieth birthday mm-hmm. to uh, follow my dreams finally and launch my own uh, own company. Uh, doing that because I couldn't find it. So mm-hmm. basically, what we what we do is. Um, work backwards so you you think about the clothing that you wear you think about where it comes from it's actually it's it's fiber mm-hmm. and 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 whether that's synthetic or or non-synthetic um and it we basically we work with what is 
what we find to be the, the most trustworthy source, which is American-grown things. Uh, we know the EPA. Uh, we understand agricultural practices here in the United States. Um, it's something that we can see, we can go visit. So we do that. We use a lot of Texas-grown cotton, New Mexico-grown cotton, um, and follow it all the way through the processing chain, through the Carolinas, um, to where it comes to me. And I cut and sew it here in the incubator. Uh, with a few seamstresses that we have. Very interesting. This is definitely unique and something we have not visited here yet on Business Radio X or Chattanooga Business Radio. But back up for a moment. You said the clothing industry is one of the most uh, polluting industries out there? Absolutely. I had Uh, no idea. Yeah, a lot of people don't, um, especially if you're not involved in it. Um, Not only from the the front end, the consumer end, when, when we buy it, we're, we're, we're pretty disposable with our clothing. Mm-hmm. We, you know, everyone, you look at a lot of women's clothes, uh, closets, and they have a lot of clothing there that still has their tags on it that they will immediately, you know, donate to Goodwill. Right. Um, Which is where I get most of my clothes, by the way. So, oh, wonderful. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. Yep. Secondhand is awesome. Got my latest suit from Goodwill, and it's actually pretty sharp. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can find a lot of great stuff. You really can. Um, but I think more importantly than that, from a consumer aspect, is to be more conscious of what you're buying and why you're buying it, um, and to really cherish the pieces that you have. Instead of quantity let's look at quality let's look at the quality of the clothes you wear like why you like it why it looks good on you what it makes you feel like and go from there instead of just continuing Mm -hmm. to go you know buy buy in mass so is is most of your clothing for women it is it's all women's wear women's Mm -hmm. wear Mm -hmm. so uh, um but anything from the young girl to the career-minded woman anything in between who wants to live sustainably through their clothing yeah well um my girl as i call it is um my 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 target woman is uh anywhere from early 20s to and on really um it's anyone who likes to feel good in what they wear um, to support independent businesses. So there's a lot of people that out there who do the big box shopping. Um, that's really not someone I'm, you know, really that comes to me usually. Um, and yeah, so that woman that really just wants to, they want to, they want to have pieces that they cherish in their closet. They want to go into their closet in the morning and, 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 and enjoy the process mm-hmm. instead of feeling overwhelmed, right. you know? Right. And I was uh, recently just passed a note that for a whole year, you banned yourself from buying any new clothing. How was that? That's how I started. So I, again, I, my background is in environmental science and sustainability, and I was working here in the city in sustainability um, and under a grant that had, had run out. So at that point in time, I came across an organization called Fibershed, and they're basically focused on local textile economies. So uh, the founder of that of that nonprofit um, decided to, for a year, wear clothing she could only source within a hundred miles. Okay. So on that, I, I you know, I wasn't I wasn't going to go that far, but what I wanted to do was take stock of how I dressed, how I approached clothing, and how why I wore what I wore. Because you end up wearing the same pieces over and over and over right, again. I think right. a lot of people do that. Um, so I wanted to take stock of that before I decided to do to launch. So set example for people to see if you could actually do it yourself before yeah. you started seeing if others would uh, follow along. Well, well, and if it was something that that made sense, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it did make sense, and then you began to start putting together a whole fashion line mm-hmm. based on the this uh, mission of yours to for eco friendly, sustainable living type clothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, what has been the feedback so far? People love it. Um, we. We do some, um, some of our stuff is also naturally dyed, which means you, you, you basically get the color uh, in your clothing from things that grow in nature. So, uh, for example, walnuts or sumac, um, things like, not poison sumac, but sumac berries. Wow. It's a different, different plant. Um, and so that, the people love the aspect of it. They love the handmade aspect of it. Um, and they love, they love that it's traceable. Mm-hmm. Um, so they know they can trust when they, they buy a piece from Temperate that it's well-made. 
um, and that it's it's sustainably sourced. So it's something they can feel good yeah. about. Yeah. And I would imagine that the the folks who are buying this clothing are probably practicing sustainability in all aspects of their life as you, well. You find that, yeah. You find people they they like to bike. You know, they recycle. I mean, not to be too cliche right. about it, but yeah. Yeah, but they do all the things that are easy to do that more people could do that are not. Um, but they're taking it a step further by actually dressing in clothing. Now, looking at you, you don't look like any different. Yeah, don't, your clothing doesn't seem out of the ordinary. But no. this this truly is. Yeah, there's a, there's a stigma out there that, that eco clothing is um, like a burlap bag. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and made it's, from hemp. And it, exactly. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with hemp clothing. No. I can go into that in detail. Okay. I probably will spare you, but because uh, it's a resurgent industry in the United States right now. Wonderful. It's been the, yes. it's been legalized since 2014. Right. We had a big uh, show on one of our Atlanta shows uh, just recently, all about the sustainability of hemp as a manufacturing product and how it it's could huge. truly bring millions yeah. to the state uh, of Georgia and beyond. So and kids, it's, it's booming in Kentucky right now. Tennessee passed it last year, right. and not only that, but also there's a lot of fiber varieties that um, that are that are great as but well. But unfortunately, so there's a lot of misconception out there from the average consumer right. about what hemp really is or right. what, how you can actually use it. Right. So we right. just got to continue to educate folks on uh, the, uh, the resources that are out there already available to us and how we can adapt them into the, the modern uh, marketplace. Right. It used to be it used to be so, so commonplace that the first American flag was actually made out of hemp, and mm-hmm. um, it was actually under um, uh, one of the colonial presidents illegal not to grow hemp because yeah. we needed it as a, as, right. a, as a country. I so would love to have a, a hemp flag in here yeah, instead of yeah. the old cotton one, yeah. but uh, that's all right. And so we're talking with Anjali Underwood. She is principal and designer with uh, Temperate uh, Clothing Line, which you can go online to TemperateClothing.co to find... Com. Dot com. Yes. Okay, sorry about that. TemperateClothing.com to find her line of fashions, all the varieties out there um, that fit your clothing needs. Uh, we got the holiday season coming up, so are you in full swing and manufacturing now? And yeah, well, we're we're about to start our. I think we've got five events coming up here in Chattanooga over the next three weeks. Um, so we're going to be all around the Chattanooga area. Um, I can go into that. If yeah, you just want tell to. us where you'll be next. Um, this Thursday, I'm doing a trunk show with Jonesy Woods in St. Elmo. Uh, she's a, lo- a local jewelry designer as well. So um, that's in the 3800 building uh, on St. Elmo Avenue. And you can find this on your website, yeah. the locations, the coordinates for yeah. all that. Okay. Sa- Saturday as well, I'm doing a pop-up here um, with another local clothing designer at K-Boutique over here on the North Shore. Um, and then um, I've got a long list, three three more events, and it's all on my website under contact. Right. I see all, uh, the trunk show is the 21st. Um, and then also something at 27th to 28th, the Small Business Saturday, mm-hmm. and uh, 12 5, a pop-up collective to be determined in oh, we're, uh, th- We'll be at Main Times 24 for that. I'm sure uh, all the locals know the that hotspot. building. Yes. Yeah. And so make sure you get in touch with Anjali out there. Um, and so uh, do you guys do any uh, custom clothing? If so, I come to you with my own designs. Can you put that together for me? You know, the process of um, patterning and drafting is, is quite laborious. Uh, and so in that sense, we don't. We don't. I mean, we have to focus on what we, you know, what we can mm-hmm. do in a in a you know a day's time so right but some of this is not, not mass produced but uh, enough that uh no it's not mass produced again right. i have i have two seamstresses that come in and so uh, and do all the cutting and sewing right. so it's all done one person does will make your entire so garment not only could you be wearing some really you know high quality uh, sustainable clothing but you could be wearing a one-of-a-kind piece that's right yeah i've, I've got i've had a few where i've only made you know five 
five pieces and that could be yours. Yeah, I actually have a um a link on my website called One of a Kind where I experiment with different things. So I'll make I'll make a bag and see if I like it and you know maybe put it out there for test. So there's a link there for one of a kind for uh, some necklaces and bags and scarves and things like that as well. Excellent. And um, tell us about the one percent program that you have. So that goes back to the organization I was originally uh, referencing Fibershed. Um, they basically focus on regenerative fiber systems, so that local textile economy. So it goes back to actually the Southeast chapter, which is what I actually, in my all my spare time, I volunteer to head up the Southeast chapter of, of Fibershed. Right. And so if uh, these these shirts are, if there was men's or if there were females, can you just throw them away when you're done in the ground? They return to the earth yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, they're compost friendly. Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that comes a lot, you know, with when you work with natural fibers, you can, you can yeah. compost your cotton. We never encourage you to throw anything away like that because this is going to be something you could have for the rest of your life That's and right. hand down to your children. That's the idea. But, uh, but if, if it flew out the back of your car while driving down the highway, you wouldn't freak out about going back and get it because it's eventually going to uh, decompose, right? That's part of the idea. Yeah. That's awesome. And that, and that goes back to the um, the pollution, which we never got into, was the, the fashion industry and, yeah. and how much of a, a polluter they actually are worldwide. Um, yeah, and probably some of your biggest name brands, we don't have to say who they are. We don't. Folks no. know who they are, yeah. um, but they are actively out there uh, polluting the environment, and it's probably a, something that's on the hush-hush that people just are not aware of. There's a, there's a lot of momentum building up. Like I said, over the last five years, there's been a lot of push from a lot of people in really key industries and key areas like the designers designer fashion uh, industry of America are also pushing there's a lot of different people out there pushing um, eco fashion and sustainable design uh, responsible design um, but your mass market your big box stores um, any of them you see on the high street they're they're actively trying to find the cheapest right. uh, manufacturing processes and labor as possible. That's very nice. So um, what's on the horizon for you in 2016 and your company? Uh, we're going to expand into wholesale in 2016, uh, kind of start pushing that pretty pretty heavily so we can um, be a little bit more fluent with our cash flow. Okay. So look for more good things uh, from Anjali and her team over there for 2016. And, and before we get out, let's get your thoughts on Chattanooga, the business community, the culture, uh, how long you've been part of it? What, how long you've been in Chattanooga? Uh, we've been here since 2009, I believe. Um, we loved it. I'm originally from Memphis, um, and I think we visited during the Southern Brewers Fest and fell in love with the town. Not because of that solely, but it did it did play into it. Um, but anyways, yeah, we I, I went through the co-starters program at CoLab uh, about two years ago and really enjoyed that. Loved the um, the entrepreneurial spirit that comes there, that the support, I mean, just this unconditional support that they give and that the community gives uh, to to its entrepreneurs. So you're a female entrepreneur. You're changing the world with your clothing line. People here in Chattanooga love talking about it. So um, if you got any other news to share, please come back and visit us here on Chattanooga Business Radio. We'd love to have you. So before we uh, turn our attention to other guests, let us, uh, our listeners, know how they can find out more information about your company and your clothing line. Well, I'm online-based uh, retailer, so I, I mainly focus on direct to to customer sales, and that's all online. It's temperateclothing.com. Uh, we do studio visits, and we are frequently out on the West Coast for events um, and also around the Southeast. Yeah, there's probably some good West Coast cities like Portland or Seattle that your your clothing could fit like right into. San Francisco, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely slide right in there and start selling hundreds of garments to uh, like-minded individuals. So thank you so much, Anjali, for taking time out today and join us on the program. We look forward to more great things from you uh, in 2016. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, remind our listeners to save the date for the Grateful Gobbler Walk. Thanksgiving Day at Cool Ridge Park. 
to support the McCullen Shelter for Families. Go to GratefulGobblerWalk.org for more information on that. Uh, it's my great pleasure to now introduce our second guest. His name is Jason Provancha. He was LG, LPG Labs and Warble. How are you doing, Jason? Great. How are you? All right. <clears throat> and uh, so let's start from the beginning, LPG Labs. Uh, tell us about that in a little more detail. Uh, so the lab started sort of unofficially about a year ago. Uh, I have two co-founders, um, a guy named Justin Junda and another guy named Peter Vandeput. Uh, Justin moved to Chattanooga last summer, not this past summer, but uh, summer of 2014, uh, after having a, a pretty nice uh, background in the technology space, spent some time at Google, uh, ran a business down in L.A. and, and was recruited here, uh, effectively to kind of create an R&D studio inside a lamppost group. And uh, our third co-founder, Peter and Justin, had a prior relationship, and uh, the two of them kind of started down this path. And... Uh, I joined the business as a founder in uh, February of this year to uh, basically be sort of the business side of the equation. So we had the technology background, and uh, my job was to, I kind of jokingly say, I stand outside the lab and wait for them to sling something out of it so that I can take it and try to turn it into something. So, so that's your background. You have a business background, I was imagine. Right, yeah, heavy, right. heavy background in sales and business development. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So fun. you're bringing that element to the LPG, and then let's talk about Warble. That's something new that's been developed over there. Uh, yep. What are you doing for folks? So uh, we started. Uh, we we uh, developed Warble as a consumer app. That's essentially a discovery app for uh, consumers to find uh, new small businesses. We uh, partner with uh, boutiques and restaurants and area attractions and. Uh, the idea behind it uh, was really generated when uh, Apple released uh, the protocols for what's called iBeacon. And beacons are small Bluetooth devices, uh, wireless devices that, when paired with an app, uh, can uh, essentially hyperlocate individuals and service them with content or messaging that is proximity-based. Based, and yes. so uh, retailers are actively uh, pursuing this technology quite a bit. And uh, we really started writing software, uh, particularly on the content management side, on the back end, uh, r right after uh, Apple released those protocols. So it was really a couple years of kind of tinkering before we figured out what we were going to do with it. And that mm -hmm. even predated me. So, uh, but yeah, so now Warble is uh, in about 75 businesses in Chattanooga. And like I said, it's mostly retailers, restaurants, and area attractions like the Lookouts or the Zoo or the Aquarium. Um, but the way it works is we install this beacon hardware inside these businesses that are then connected to the Warble app. And as a Warble user, if I come in proximity of one of those beacons, then I might receive a particular offer, uh, maybe some kind of a, a special message that might encourage me to act on it. So it's mm -hmm. a great way to drive foot traffic into businesses. And then once I'm inside the business, it can serve me um, proximity-based marketing messages or educational messages. Um, a common application for that would be um, in a retail environment, um, you know, providing some kind of a special offer. Uh, but it also is uh, highly interactive um, within, a, you know, for example, the aquarium. So if I'm walking through the aquarium, I'm going to get additive content sent to my phone based on where I'm standing and okay. what I'm looking at. Right. So as a consumer, though, what are the advantages of actually downloading? Is this a free app? It's a free app. Yep. And then so uh, it, the advantages would be I get coupons, I get special offers, maybe insightful uh, you know, deals going on at some of these locations. That's exactly right. Uh, there's also a loyalty program built into the app. So uh, if you've ever had a wallet full of little punch cards from various businesses where every time you buy something, you get a new punch in your card, 
this all operates within your phone. So it's essentially like a digital punch card right. that works all over the city. And so you just carry your phone and with you. And you get a push notification of something right away that, uh, hey, I'm, I'm near Lookout Mountain. And today they're offering free senior citizens a trip up the mountain or something that's right yeah and so you know a common application for that is we're pretty heavy over on fraser avenue just down the street so if you're walking down fraser avenue you might receive a Mm -hmm. notification that's offering a particular special that day at beast and barrel or river street deli or Mm -hmm. two restaurants that we partner with Uh, frankie and julian's is a boutique obviously on the same street and so yeah there's a certain amount of serendipity attached to it you're just kind of cruising around uh, doing the things that you do every day and suddenly you may turn on a dime to react to an offer that's just been pushed your way that you weren't expecting. Yeah, you may be in the market for some new hiking boots and all of a sudden there's a boutique right down the road that's got a pair on sale and you just got the notification and you got a pocket full of money ready to spend and, and you weren't even planning on buying that day. That's right. And uh, thanks to Warble, now you have an right. offer to go forward. So, um, But what the business side of things for Warble itself, so the business people, they pay to be on your platform? That's right. We offered a 90-day free pilot in Chattanooga as our first uh, market. Um, and so uh, the long-term strategy is it's uh, kind of a software as a service uh, okay. approach. So uh, the, the packages basically start at $59 a month for a business to participate. That's not too bad, especially no. if it can uh, increase your foot traffic, increase right. your sales, and get you in front of those uh, customers who may not use that notification that day, but then now you're top of mind for the next time That's they right. are looking for a product from your store. That's right. And uh, the businesses also uh, have access to our content management system where they can see some basic analytics around how many people are That's coming in. That's probably very helpful as yeah, well, yes. Sure, and so they can see how, how many people are receiving their content and uh, can even collect email addresses from that. And we're talking with Jason Provancha. He's co-founder with Warble um, over there at LPG Labs. And uh, so when did you launch the product? We uh, kind of soft-launched with the aquarium back in late February, early March. Of this they, year, of this 2015, year. right? That's right. So, um, and interestingly, we actually didn't launch it through Warble. We uh, we tied our um, technology into their existing app. Okay. Um, one of the limits of Beacons is it has to be tied to some kind of a mobile app. Mm-hmm. And so we basically embedded our technology into the Tennessee Aquarium app um, while we were still building our uh, consumer app. And uh, but it was great. It was a great way to test the system, make sure that everything worked. It was and we're kind of operating in blue sky territory. So there wasn't a lot of protocol to go and and study how other people did it because not many people have done it. And so so there's uh, nobody else out there doing this kind of thing. It seems very reasonable, very easy to do. I wouldn't say easy to do, but certainly people can use this. Yeah. But as far as you know, there's no other competitors. Very few. There's a couple uh, on the West Coast. There's an outfit in Boston that's kind of starting to do some things. But um, you know, in in this application, there's there's not a ton. Beacons are beginning to kind of pop up in a lot of different industries. Mm-hmm. I've even seen where healthcare is doing some things with patient tracking and and equipment tracking. So, um, but in terms of using Beacons as a way to deliver proximity based offers and and rewards, um, there's not a lot. And going so, uh, future plans I would imagine are to take it to other cities and other markets. Yes, we is are. that in 2016, or you have a longer term goal there? We're actually um, simultaneously expanding to Nashville and Asheville, North Carolina right now. So okay. we, uh, we already have uh, several restaurants on Broadway in Nashville that um, we're actually installing with Beacons this week. Uh, cool Springs Mall uh, in Franklin is on board. And we are um, just getting started in Asheville, North Carolina. We have Asheville Mall 
CBL here in town has taken a great interest in what we're doing. And so part of our expansion plan dovetails where they have properties because it's also a great way to mm-hmm. um, get users, frankly. Right. If you could, yeah, if you could connect with like a, a big mall owner property yep. that uh, has many stores within their confines, this can bring uh, foot traffic and, and uh, overall just awareness to the consumer out there uh, um, tremendously. That's yeah. right. Exactly. I, I think I think it's great. Uh, so um, so you're already expanding. Yep. 2016. Do you have any goals on how many other places you like to be? Yeah, we we are going to have kind of a regional expansion plan initially. Obvi- places that are kind of obvious to that would be Atlanta, Knoxville, and maybe Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, you know Charleston, South Carolina. Those types of places. Um, our our primary goal right now, as we continue to build out uh, in the in the areas where we are, um, is user growth. And anytime you're in a two-sided marketplace like this you've got kind of two things you've got to deal with you've got to get businesses to uh, want to be on the platform and obviously you have to have users because that so there's a little bit of a chicken and an egg yeah so how are you actively letting users know our potential users know out there that this app is free and you should download it today well doing things like what i'm doing right now okay chattanooga Uh, business radio but, but we um a little bit of everything we're, we're doing traditional things like facebook advertising and things like that uh, but honestly, a lot of very grassroots efforts have, have yielded really positive results. We're going and hanging out in restaurants and giving away free pint glasses for downloads. Mm-hmm. And that way you get to kind of sit with somebody in a relaxed environment, walk them through the app, show them how it works, why, you know, why they should you know, take a look at it. And while that doesn't scale particularly well, it's, it's a great way to just you know, get some yeah. enthusiasm around it. Um, and, and so we're doing a lot of those types of kind of grassroots, almost guerrilla marketing type of events. And it's available for the Apple Store as well as Google Play? So it's available in Apple only right now. Okay. Uh, the app will, uh, we will have it available for Android by the end of the year. Oh, that's pretty soon then. Yeah, so every cell phone holder out there will eventually have access to Warble for that's sure. Right. So, and it's a free app and it's getting you discounts and inside information to all the deals going on around town. So it really is a, a win-win for both uh, end users the businesses and the consumers that's right i at least think so yeah right and so we look forward to more great things uh, from you and warble um and then your thoughts on chattanooga the business community here Uh, how long have you been in chattanooga personally so uh, i came here when i was 20 uh, to finish college just last year never left yeah exactly (laughs) unfortunately 20 years ago um but we, uh, yeah, we, my, my wife and I both went to UTC and just decided we wanted to kind so of plant roots yeah. here. So and, you've seen it change. Yes, quite yeah. a bit. Yep, yep. But the business community particularly has been uh, extremely supportive of what we're doing. And um, it was just gratifying that um, so many people came out and, and were willing to experiment a little mm-hmm. bit with us. And so uh, it's gone very well. And we've had, uh, really, I've made a lot of friends in the business community as a result of this, which has been really great. So, right. uh, and then they've been very supportive as we've begun to expand to other cities. They've been great references for us to other businesses. So. Yeah, no, every time I mention Chattanooga, where I go and other cities around the country, they all, uh, ears perk up and the eyes kind of get wide. And they say, Chattanooga, tell me about it. What's the internet like there? You know, right. What are the people like? Sure. And, like nothing but great things. been my experience uh, here in the city and here at Times and time again, uh, just echoing the, the words that you just spoke. So uh, thank you for sharing with our listeners. If you uh, if our listeners want to get more information about Warble, how would they do so? So uh, mywarble.com is our website. Um, there's a little info at uh, link there that they can click on. That comes straight to my email. So uh, I'll respond personally on that. And okay. I'd love to help anybody. Also, you can find them on Twitter, twitter.com slash getwarble, and facebook.com 
slash Warble app if they want to connect with uh, you on the social media stratosphere. Yep. So, uh, so thank you, Jason, for taking right. time out today, spending a little time with us on Chattanooga Business Radio. And please come back if we can help you here at Chattanooga Business Radio, get the word out more. Um, or if you would like to share a success story with a business or consumer who's used your product, please come on back and be a guest. We'd love to feature them as well. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. And make sure you're following us on Twitter at Business Radio X. You can follow me personally at Ryan Redhawk. And uh, also we use the hashtag Chattanooga Business Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen and listeners and supporters, it's time for our headliner. And his name is Lee Walker. How are you doing, sir? Doing very well. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you for being patient and waiting your turn. And now our listeners are sitting on the edge of their seat waiting to hear what you do for folks at Code Journeyman. So let's start from the top. When did Code Journeyman begin? Uh, we've been in business now 2011. I think it was end of 2011. All right. In 2011. And uh, what are you doing for folks? We build web technologies um, in open source. Is okay. The big, is the big thing. Right. Um, so we concentrate mainly on Drupal, which is an open source content management framework. Um, and we also build uh, mobile apps and things like that as well. Plus, we're also trying to get our foot into what's in Go. There's a language called Go, which builds a lot of back-end things. Mm -hmm. um, and one of our one of our guys is is very big into that, so we're sort of reaching out, seeing if we can do some of that. Is your that work. is your background in coding, or what? What is your background? I'm a, my degree is in electronic engineering. Okay, but I've been writing code for more than 25 years, just as a hobby, professionally. Oh, okay. And then probably another 10 years before that as a hobby. Yeah. So I was a child of the 80s home computer generation. Texas yeah. Instruments, right? You probably had one of those, yeah. right? Right. All right. So, and you're located here in the Business Development Center of Hamilton County. How has that experience been for you? Uh, business Development Center is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. That's um, what I keep hearing. If anyone's got an idea for a business, this is the place to come, chat to people. Mm -hmm. um, they'll help you any way you can with... Um, a business plan, what you need, because normally, I mean, I'm sure everyone's the same here, when you start your own business, you have this idea, but there's an actual practical knowledge of how to run a business as opposed to what you're actually going to do for a business. And they help you a lot with that. Interesting. All right, so let's talk about open source uh, versus uh, the cost of doing uh, business with some of these big competitors out there. What are the advantages, disadvantages, and what do you love about it so much? Um, Open source puts you in control of your destiny as a, as a business. So if you've got a business that, I mean, software's eating the world is the quote they always use. Yeah. Everything's run on software. Yeah, yeah. Um, if your software is owned by somebody else and you're just licensing a copy of it, you're kind of married to that business then at that point. So if you've got an Oracle database, not just to be an Oracle or Microsoft things or whatever it happens to be, you're kind of joined at the hip to them. And if they change where their business is going, you kind of have to go along with them because they're going to drag everything with them. Mm -hmm. And that might not be where you want to go. Um, they also might just change the licensing ideas where it's going to cost you more money. Um, with the idea of open sources, it actually puts you in control of your destiny. You can drive your business. Um, and generally, you can do things better, faster, cheaper, mm -hmm. um, and deliver more what you're aiming to deliver rather than being constrained by what's right. being delivered to you. No, that's good. And, and does your uh, code journeyman and, and your open source software help any industry or do you have particular industry, niche industries that you like to serve? Uh, right now we're, I'm, we do a lot of work with Oak Ridge National Labs. So the ornl.gov, their front facing site, we just migrated that into Drupal and that's live and fully responsive. Um, we also do some things for, uh, the, for the Department of Energy, which is the uh, biofuel 
and the biomass in the US, which is interesting hearing you talk about. They're just doing what they call, every few years they do a billion ton study, where they look at how much biomass is in the US on a state level, oh, sorry, on a county level, and then they, what they can turn, what kind of fuel they can turn that in if they needed to, turn it into if they needed to. So there's all this massive data set, it's like 100 million entries, and they, that is you can map it onto this, the US and see what fuel you can do and where you can do. Um, and they do this study about every two or three years, and every year it goes up by about 40 million records. Of course it does, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you help with that, or you're able to put some of that into context for folks? We put that into context for folks. So they actually, the, finally the Department of Energy comes up with this big set of data and then we need to visualize it for people so yes. um, you can, the idea is you can put multiple layers on a map and see how, how it all goes. And it's very interesting. And then say, I want a, a copy of that piece of the data. Then I can manipulate it and see. It allows you to predict where we're going to be in like yes. 50 years. I mean, oil's relatively cheap right now, mm -hmm. but it, you know, it hasn't been. So you don't know where it's going to be. So you have to keep all that. It's all Department of Energy driven. Yeah. We're talking with Lee Walker, Principal Engineer with Code Journeyman LLC. What is the future of open source and web uh, software like this? Um, I think open source is the future. You're all using open source right now and you don't know it. Okay. Um, the entire internet is built on open source. Um, if it wasn't open source, you wouldn't have any of it. But is there any inherent risk with using open source? No. <laughs> no? No? I mean, the, um, the way it's written, the code behind it, I mean, is it, uh, it's kind of hanging on what other users are inputting into it, right? If I understand it correctly? That is, that is very true. The, um, they're, they're not, it's not just the Wild West and anyone could put anything into it and all of a sudden you get Trojans or worms put into it. That doesn't happen. Okay. Um, but you do see more people look at it, find bugs quicker, they move the, the technology along faster um, because when you're running a business and you've got sort of a captive audience, it's generally not in your best interests to keep moving it along at full speed. You kind of want to drag the you know, most amount of money per user Certainly, out of it right. at a time. And that's just the way the business works. Um, so open source allows you to move faster, move quicker. And they always do that, you know, mm -hmm. bake, you know move fast, break things, and you know, fail fast. Right, but uh, it's being constantly monitored and upgraded and dissected by smart people out there who are making it more efficient and more effective. Yes, and you know, this, it's security risks are, people always mention security risks, people are used to buying software. I think they like to pick up a phone and dial someone and say, ah, something's gone wrong, can you help us? Um, open source is different that way. There are, you know, Red Hat, which is uh, the first billion dollar open source industry, that's how they made their money, is you buy support from them. Mm -hmm. They give the software away for free, you buy the support from right. them. Right, yeah. So, and you've mentioned a couple times Drupal. What is Drupal? And please explain it to our layman listeners out there. Uh, it's, a con it's a content management framework that you can build your own custom content management system from. I mean, most people have heard of WordPress, because WordPress right now- That's what we use. Runs about 25% of the web. Um, Drupal's more of a, a power user's version of it. So if you're trying to do much more intricate things. Um, with design work, I guess, or? For you, data, really. Data. It has a data-centric view of how a web, the web should be. So it thinks about your data and manipulates your data and can do interesting things with it. Um, it still spits out HTML and web stuff for the web. Um, it'll also do things straight to your iPhone. Um, 
Drupal's uh, actually Drupal 8 is just coming out uh, Thursday, two days. You're um, excited, aren't you? Uh, I can tell. Be great. We're holding a party. There's a Drupal 8 release party <laughs> going on um, all over the world, in fact. Okay. There's a community of more than a million people. Um, there's something like 140 release parties going along around the world, and they're yeah. doing a, uh, a virtual Mexican wave. Uh which is you tweet a certain thing at a certain time and they're going to map it on the map and they're going to see this tweet move across the world. Yeah, on a virtual it, map, right. <laughs> Very cool. Which is kind of interesting to see happen. Right. And so you're, you're using that. You you're, seem to be an expert in that field. Um, where do you see it evolving over the next year or more? It's going to, um, when, when a new release happens, it's going to go heavily into more the enterprise level. It's built for the... It, it's just been the Drupal 8's been changed. It's for the, where the web's going in the next 10 years. That's right. Um, you know, we're kind of looking forward a, a bit, you know, just taking a guess. But we've got an idea. We can see where it's going. Um, yeah, Drupal 8 will be uh, a big thing. Maybe not so much uh, going to a website anymore, but the back end will be driven by it. Um, you won't see it as much, but it'll be driving yeah, a lot well, of the back it, end. It won't be something that the user experiences, no. but the data that's generated behind it can make uh, the web developers and the website owners out there uh, more in tune with, with who's visiting their website. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And other ways of manipulating the data uh, um, to get more interesting results out of it. Right, that's uh, very cool. And so, um, and so open source you see to become even more wide used over the next year or more, as well as Drupal and other types of platforms like that? Yes, yeah. uh, but they always happen in the background. Um, and they slowly leak forwards to the end user. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most of the internet's built on open source. You know, nearly every company is using Linux at the back end, which is open source. They just don't know it. Um, a lot of their core systems have written on it. They just don't know it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and everything just works. Well, you do it. You know who knows it is Lee Walker with uh, <laughs> Code Journeyman LLC. So let's talk about your business. Uh, you said you've provided uh, some services here to a uh, local power company. And uh, who else? Uh, who, what type of businesses usually calls upon you? Um, it's interesting to see who uh, comes out. I mean, uh, the guys at Oak Ridge we spend on a huge amount of time with. Um, we also manage their spent nuclear fuel siting. So. I'm glad someone's thinking about it. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> right. you know nuclear fuel comes out of a out of the reactor, and you have to put it in a in a pool for 50 years um, till it cools down enough to put in casks and then transport them where you keep them, where you track them. Um, so we are the platform we built for them uh, manages all the knowledge about that, so people share information. Of course, it's private; you can go and see it live on the web, but you can't access nearly any of it. I see. Um, and also, you know, locally here, we do Fletcher Bright, they're the realtors. We do okay. their sites so for finding their um, right. uh, finding their uh, well, this is what I'm looking for. Not their residential, their commercial. Okay. Their commercial pieces and tracking that. And we just change their site. So if you actually go to Fletcher Bright to come on your phone, if you're standing in front of one of their signs, it'll work out where you are and say you're looking at this one. I see. And give you the information straight away instead of having to like see the whole of the U.S. and dig down and find its city. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. all right. Very interesting. So really any business could call upon you to use your expertise and industry insight to uh, customize their website to, to be more um, in tune with the consumer. Absolutely. That's good. And you, he is a, a Drupal evangelist and community organizer. What are some of the community organizing you're doing? Uh, last weekend, it was Drupal Camp Chattanooga. Uh -huh. We roll hold them each year. Uh, Drupal's a very large community of people. Um, each year, Chattanooga State Community College here gives me the space for free. We put on a, a camp. 
um, and the camp is teaching you web development from scratch um, in Drupal. Uh, so we, the, the tickets are normally $25, that, for that gets you lunch, it gets you a t-shirt, and we fill your head with information. And um, we have a beginner's class that goes all day. Um, and you come in with a laptop, and you finish being able to build websites with Drupal. Okay. Well, uh, Lee Walker, he is a lover of all things tech, and he is certainly uh, in tune with future technology and the way the web is uh, crawling forward into the future and how people can uh, utilize the back-end information a little better. Um, so, a Code Journeyman, how could people find out more information about yourself or your services? Uh, I'm on CodeJourneyman.com. That's Journeyman, M-E-N. Um, I also... Uh, on Twitter at Drupal Nuga. Uh, and you can always get me at, at Lee at codegentleman.com. Very interesting. So thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with us today here on Chattanooga Business Radio. And when you're not changing the world of uh, tech and, and Drupal, what do you like to do in your off time to keep you motivated and inspired? The, uh, More coding? I've got lots of kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we do lots of sports with the, with the kids. Okay. The, um, I'd like to climb a lot more. I used to climb a whole bunch in Chattanooga. So Chattanooga's a great place for climbing, probably the best place on the East Coast. Yeah. So I'm trying to do more of that right. uh, when so I can. If, yeah, so if you can get a, out from uh, teaching those kids how to code or you're coding yourself there in, uh, in Code Journeyman, you may find uh, Lee rock climbing or, or out there uh, escaping it all in the uh, countryside of Chattanooga. So thank you so much for taking the time out. And uh, please come back on the program when you have uh, some exciting news to share or an update with uh, what's going on with your organization. All right. So uh, you can forget about big media ambushes and canned sound bites, fake pay-to-play interviews. We are pro-business here at Chattanooga Business Radio. So if your company is doing something interesting to genuinely serve your market, your community, and your profession, please reach out to us directly on the contact page at businessradiox.com. Thank you to Stone Payton and Lee Cantor, and on behalf of the entire Business Radio X network, I'm Ryan Redhawk McPherson. We will see you on the radio.